0: The quote unquote world police will not even bother to get involved because it's like, do, we don't want to get involved in that.
1: We didn't have bread shortages, but you and I made bread during the pandemic.
0: Bitcoin benefits from the acceleration of the money games that they play. With the Bitcoin that they bought, MicroStrategies is probably going to be a company that lives forever now.
1: And they're like trying to use the exact same propaganda, the exact same playbook. And it's like, um, I thought we all agreed that that was a mistake.
0: Strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men. And you, the cycle repeats.
1: You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Receffies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week I let him talk my ear off about it.
0: Yeah, i a real cheap date.
1: Cheap maybe, but it's a lot of work.
0: If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And flirting with Bitcoin is audience funded without ads or sponsors.
1: Mm-hmm, this ain't your grandma's podcast. This is Podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See? Our son agrees with me.
0: If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain.
1: Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us...
0: Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money.
1: Sure, but if you want to support us with old-school money, go to FlirtingWithBitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our heads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Kian, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, babe. Hey, Mandana. Hola, Spain.
0: Namaskar, Nepal.
1: Guten Tag, Germany.
0: Hola, Brazil.
1: Sawadee, Thailand.
0: Good day, Canada.
1: Good day, UK.
0: Hola, Argentina.
1: Buongiorno, Italy.
0: Kamusta, Philippines.
1: Namaste, India or Bharat.
0: Hello, Indonesia.
1: Bonjour, France.
0: Hola, Portugal.
1: Konnichiwa, Japan. Hello, Netherlands. Zdravte, Bulgaria. With time, Poland. Hola, Mexico. Good day, Australia. Hola Venezuela and, and howdy, howdy to, to Texas. Texas. What time is it, babe?
0: The current time is 814-295 and we're approximately 1,323 blocks since our last recording.
1: And how many till the halving?
0: 25,705. Getting close.
1: So how do we know if our listeners are working towards their goals before the halving hits?
0: I mean, we don't. we don't know, but... How do they know? How do they know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they know what they're doing. But if you don't have any goals for the having, and you are thinking about starting towards one bitcoin, because you might never own one bitcoin again, uh, there's a great little app, Goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com.
1: Wow, who made that app?
0: Uh, this guy he has this podcast called Flirting with Bitcoin. He sounds hot. Uh, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we have a we have a website. And on our website, we have an app called goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Basically, you plug in how much Bitcoin you want to acquire and basically by what having you want to acquire it. And then you pick if you want to work weekly, daily, monthly. Um, And you can pick your currency as well. So I think I pulled in like all the countries' currencies from Coinbase. Um, But then it just spits out a number. And for example, today, if you were trying to acquire one Bitcoin, By the 2024 halving, well, there's only 26 weeks left. And at current prices, that's $1,300 a week to get to one Bitcoin. Yalla. So the app lets you set your own goal, but it kind of keeps you on track for hitting that Bitcoin goal versus saying, I want to save $10,000 in Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin will appreciate and you'll hit your number and you'll stop. But if you set yourself a Bitcoin goal, it doesn't matter the price. You just keep working towards it. So... Not my thing, but I'm co-signing on it. British Hoddle says you got to get to one Bitcoin. I agree. And I think you should use the with goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com app.
1: And if I were to give you one US dollar, how many acres could I get on Bitcoin Island?
0: Well, you know, the price has gone up. So today you can only get 2,928 acres.
1: And what's the price of a dozen eggs in Satoshi's? Uh...
0: Things are getting cheaper on Bitcoin Island. So mm-hmm. eggs are only thirty two hundred and fifty one satoshis this week.
1: And beef?
0: Uh yeah. So beef is uh, you know, there's numbers that I've been saying. I did recently realize that it's the weight was in kilograms, not pounds. So for one kilogram of beef, it'll cost you ten thousand five hundred and thirty six satoshis.
1: A gallon of gas? Uh seventy
0: eight hundred and twelve satoshis.
1: How about milk?
0: So milk is a new one that I added. And I learned something very interesting about milk. So you see on the little chart where it says CWT. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that means 100 pounds. They sell milk by like the 100 pounds.
1: That's crazy.
0: And so that's the best number I could get. Um, which is apparently 43,768 satoshis for 100 pounds of milk. Do your own conversion. <laughs> someone
1: who produces milk by the ounce, <laughs> uh, that's uh, overwhelmingly cheap. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, as with all things Bitcoin, you always learn something new. <laughs> learn Learn how they price the commodity milk today.
1: So the price of Bitcoin's gone up. It has. And you're very excited about it. I
0: mean look, I mean, we've been in the black, right? Like, you know, we were buying when it was high also, but we're, we've been in the black for a while. Like as far as I'm concerned, the price of Bitcoin has been up for a while. Um, this was just a big push in the news, um, because the BlackRock ETF got its ticker, um, which is IBTC. And people inferred that that meant that the ETF was approved, which it basically does, but it has not been approved yet. And so as with all things, momentum traders kind of jumped on Bitcoin and pushed it up.
1: Well, why wouldn't it be approved? It's inevitable, right?
0: I mean, it's basically inevitable. Um, We don't know what's going to happen necessarily once it's approved, but its approval is pretty guaranteed.
1: So like, is it that there's going to be a press conference and they're going to officially go on record to say Bitcoin is legit?
0: I mean, the way things have been going lately, I think the SEC or whoever is just going to make a tweet. I think that's going to be it.
1: That says what? Go ahead. Have fun. have fun,
0: y'all. Like. We give up. Basically, right? Like, you know, when they when they filed all those charges against um, the Binance guy, they like put out a tweet. Mm. And like a quote from like their case against him. Like they're playing the Twitter game.
1: X. Twitter. <laughs> As someone who doesn't use it, it's just fun to... Yeah. yeah. I'm just joshing you, babe. Yeah, I know. Um, so that's
0: what caused the price to go up. But overall, we know that the price is going up because the having is coming. Like regardless of this ETF, mm-hmm. the having is the natural forcing function on the price. ETFs getting approved are pretty much once in a lifetime kind of event, right? Like they're only going to approve these ETFs that are going to really affect the price of Bitcoin once. Okay. And then there might be more in the future, but they won't affect the price of Bitcoin that much at that time. So this batch is only going to happen once, but that doesn't negate the fact that there are a number of havings to happen that have the natural force of uh, price pressure.
1: So a couple of years ago, we had this global pandemic mm-hmm. that rattled things up. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're about to enter something else That's similar to that impacting the global economy.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of already happened.
1: It is already happening, but I think that it's about to escalate. I'm just thinking about how all of a sudden it is very transparent that we are like entering or we're in multiple wars. Well, and the budget requests for them are insane. And they're supported now by both parties in America. So it's like, it just feels like game on. So,
0: um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different ways that people explain what's going on. One of them is the the quote unquote fourth turning. I don't know if you've heard this. No, I haven't. Okay. So, you know, you've probably heard the, the turn of phrase, um, Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a a trope in the fall of empires and all that and fun stuff. weak right? men create
1: hard times.
0: Yeah. And so like you're not on Twitter, as you just said. Um, but, you know, that's like a meme that circulates a lot, right? It's like we're in the weak men stage right now, guys. Um, and that's what it feels like for the most part. You know, we have... Most of the leaders of the West um, are pretty weak. And their their populations are either in revolt or simmering revolt. And they are doing what they can to like quell the quell the peace. But um they just keep seeming to make the wrong decisions. They keep taking like the easy path and making the wrong decisions. And at this point, it seems intentional. Like it doesn't seem Like, someone is trying to sit down and, like, learn from the mistakes of the past. It's like.
1: Oh, no. They are gaslighting us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like. Like, we are
1: all young enough to remember what happened after 9-11. Yeah. and, (laughs) And they're, like, trying to use the exact same propaganda, the exact same playbook. And it's like, um, I thought we all agreed that that was a mistake.
0: Yeah. So, basically, you know, war is without getting into the politics of it all, like war is a way to like burn off inflation.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. And it's good for business.
0: Well, it's good for some businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the problem is that like, we just got out of like a 20 year war. Mm -hmm. You know, I was watching something the other day where this guy was like, we haven't done anything that we said we were going to do militarily in the last like 30 years. At what point do we, Do we decide that like we're just not good at that? Right. And stop pretending like we have the ability to like change outcomes with our military. It's just not possible. And with what's going on right now in the Middle East and Israel, it's like, do we really want to be involved in something like that? Because if we want to burn off a bunch of inflation, that isn't that is a powder keg that's been brewing for a good 50 years. Okay. Maybe, maybe we need to just burn off some of this like economic tension in the world by just convincing everyone that like, well, this is the most important thing. That's why there are no resources available. And that's why everything is expensive. Cause we're like, we're fighting this war. And to your point, I just like, don't
1: think it's that strategic. I think there are people who have competing priorities that are, capitalizing on the fact that the United States needs to distract its people by how bad the economy is.
0: Yeah, it's like, we know you need a war. I'll give you a war. Exactly. And, but for this war, I'm going to, I'm going to take something. That's what's going on in Russia right now. Like, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy that Ukraine isn't winning that war. But in the beginning, when people said there was no way they were going to win the war, you were called a conspiracy theorist. It's only taken like a year and a half to prove that like, oh, this is this is bad for them. Like, Ukraine's like that country is getting wrecked right now. And it's giving our government a distraction to like distract the people with, though. But at the end of it, I'm pretty sure Russia is going to have taken a little nibble out of Ukraine. That's my pound of flesh. You needed the distraction. I'm taking this. Well, you need other distraction. Seems like some other people are trying to take some stuff. And, you know, I said this to one of my coworkers the other day. I was like, we're just in the age of nibbles. We're just at the age of nibbles. People are going to take little nibbles out of each other that they've been wanting to take for a while. And we as like the quote unquote world police will not even bother to get involved because it's like we don't want to get involved in
1: that. We do get involved.
0: Right. But so the point of point I'm getting at is that, like, we're in two right now. And the way that we fight wars are with aircraft carriers and we only got so many of them. So
1: it's like well, Biden two- just said, we'll go to Indonesia or the Philippines. I'm sorry. Biden just said, we'll go to the Philippines.
0: I mean, I don't know what that means, but all I know is a how- lot
1: of people don't know. They were like, what? He was like, if China tries it. We'll go defend the Philippines. He said that like two days ago. (laughs)
0: Sure. Well, well, sure. But like, no one knows what that guy means when he says that. Like, like I said, like we only have so many aircraft carriers. We can only be involved in roughly like three things at a time max. Who's going to give us the third is really the question now. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a question of like, is there going to be a third? Yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at when you're saying like, there's, there's something coming.
1: There is something coming. It feels like world war something because how many have we really had that we haven't named or defined, you know, I just, Well, they never
0: start off as a world war. No one ever starts exactly. off and this is world war two yeah. guys. It was like, no,
1: this is Germany invading War Poland. to end all wars. Right. That was world war one. I. I just, you know, it's, you know, meme culture is like really important to me. <laughs> it's a big part of my culture. And there are just so many jokes about the draft because people are like, that's all our government cares about is going to war. Our president will spin up every single PR resource he has to explain why we have to go fight harder for another country than our own. Like it, it's mind blowing I do not want to get into the politics of Israel and Palestine. I think everyone has their opinion. Um, I absolutely support a ceasefire. I absolutely think that the United States should butt out of it, but I think the United States and Israel are the same country, ultimately. But I saw something, and I didn't fact check it, but so many of our members of Congress are dual citizens of Israel.
0: That's more than two.
1: A lot. And I, and I was like, wow, the loyalty that I feel like our government has for another country is stronger than they have for our own. And the amount of money that they're going to push and I'll honestly rally to be able to, I just don't see that sense of urgency for our own country. Um, and it's just really shocking. And so I think that it's building this momentum to suddenly find more things to throw money at Uh, which will be good for specific businesses, right? War is good for, war is good business for specific people, right? And specific industries. And I think now is the time and they're going to strike while the iron's hot and they're going to throw so much money out in the world that no one's going to be held accountable for. There's going to be no tracking of, it's going to be chaos. So with that, now, I'm not trying to litigate that. I, I just think that is what it is. You can disagree with me. Other people can disagree with me. What is that going to do to the price of Bitcoin? Is that going to trip it up? Is it going to get in the way of the jump that's supposed to happen after the having? Or is all of this war activity going to destabilize currencies around the world? So people are going to go to Bitcoin. Are Americans going to feel like their government has lost control of the dollar and like, what's your guess? So
0: I think the, the one thing that you said, it's hundred percent true is that the stabilization of certain areas of the world. I mean, a lot of these currencies are borderline holding on already. Right. Um, and you know, this, this game of central banking is a winner take all game, right? Like at the end of the day, the, the goal is to be the biggest bank, which means the other guys literally went out of business, but in central banking, it's a bank of a country. So what you're saying is that country went out of business. Like that's the game. And I think what Bitcoiners have learned or understand very clearly is that all money in the world, except for Bitcoin falls into that game. So with Bitcoin, They could keep playing that game all they want. We benefit from it. Like Bitcoin, you think so? Bitcoin benefits from the acceleration of the money games that they play because as Bitcoiners just keep accumulating a little, buy big bulks, it doesn't really matter. But Bitcoin exists, there's a value to it. And when all of that printed money goes to try to buy Bitcoin, there's technically more people competing for that Bitcoin. And so by by just the pure fact that they are making more money, Bitcoin will appreciate. A percentage of everything is going to eventually end up in Bitcoin over time. You pick any asset and someone is going to eventually say, I should sell this and buy some Bitcoin.
1: Like Lockheed Martin is about to make like billions of contracts, right? Like. Out with these boards. Yeah, are they going to start doing the uh, micro strategy approach? No, of, micro, you know, holding well, Bitcoin as well. So, Michael, Stra-
0: micro strategies, and what Michael Saylor did was the very, very hard work of proving that Bitcoin can make your business better. He did the hard work, um, but there are things coming that will just make that a button click for large entities, right? Particularly the Bitcoin ETF. Right? Like as a company, you can hold stock. And as a company, you could hold other assets like you could hold real estate, you could technically hold gold as a company, right? Like you could hold gold as an asset on your on your books. And so, a lot of these companies won't have to do what Michael Saylor did. They'll just say buy me some of that Bitcoin ETF. It's spot, so it technically means that I have a claim on the amount that I bought. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very easy for people to do what Michael Saylor did. He's just the first. And because he's the first, he bought so much. None of these companies are going to be able to buy as much as he did. So while they might copy him by the mere fact that they're copying him, they're going to raise the value of his Bitcoin. He got for a lot less than they did because they had to wait until the ETF. Um, and even after the ETF, they probably won't buy it right now. They won't look at it and say, oh, it's cheap. And I'm going to buy that to make sure that my company lasts, you know, maybe 10x longer because we bought Bitcoin. Right. Like a lot of these. Um, it's funny, you know, YouTube kind of. The algorithm knows what I want to watch. So they keep feeding me this episode called uh Blitz Scaling. And like the fall of all these like blitz-scaled companies like Airbnb and WeWork and all that fun stuff, and how they just they scaled so big. Well, the reason why they all do that is because that's the only way to survive, right? Like you scale, you raise a bunch of money so that you can actually survive and figure out your business. That's how Uber made it, which I guess they've made it because they've turned a profit recently, I think. Um, but now you don't have to be that aggressive with the growing of your business. You just buy Bitcoin to start. <laughs> And say, if we buy this Bitcoin, eventually Bitcoin will be a well-known asset that will move at a very predictable pace. And so you'll say, OK, we're starting a business. And in order to get, let's just say I pick some round numbers here, in order to get like three years of runway, we need to put X amount of Bitcoin into a company. Because just the pure appreciation of that Bitcoin will give us that extra runway just naturally through an accreting value. So they don't have to scale as fast. They don't have to make poor judgment decisions and do things they probably wouldn't otherwise wanted to do as a company to survive. And so you just end up with better products, right? Because people have more time to make those products. So Michael Saylor is proving this with what he did at MicroStrategies. Because with the Bitcoin that they bought, MicroStrategies is probably going to be a company that lives forever now. Like, full stop.
1: Even if they don't turn a revenue? anymore because it have so doesn't much
0: matter Bitcoin. he has the company owns so much Bitcoin that within 10 years probably they'll have made more money off of their Bitcoin than that company ever made period because they got in so early on the the early part of the appreciation of Bitcoin everyone else is going to get it probably at the hundreds of thousands or the million dollar point that's when like you know countries and, and large companies will probably start buying it. Michael Saylor will have like trillions of dollars or whatever. Doesn't even matter because he'll have the most Bitcoin at that point. That's mm-hmm. what will matter. It won't even the dollar number of it won't matter. It'll be there's a company that sits on top of a trove of a hundred and fifty thousand bitcoin. And nobody on the planet has even one.
1: Except Maybe our listeners, if they're using the Satoshi Savings Calculator. So what are we going to talk about today?
0: That wasn't it.
1: <laughs> you know, um, I thought it was worth talking about. Well, you and I haven't really talked about what's going on in uh, Israel and Palestine. I mean, I don't talk to anyone about it. I think everyone is processing it, right? um and taking it in it's pretty horrifying to uh process um i'm feeling a lot of gratitude for my life and our safety here and the safety of our child like we had a lovely day with him i'm having a lovely night with you so i feel very lucky for so many reasons
0: yeah i mean again i i don't even want to talk about what's going on in the Middle East because it seems intractable and it it doesn't seem like anyone's really trying to solve the problem. Um, But I will say that like, I also feel gratitude uh, because like without trying to be like a doom and gloomer, there's about to be some hardships in the world. Right. And I don't know what ours are going to be, but from my perspective, I think we got like a pretty good setup and hopefully can like ride it out. Um, And so I'm very grateful for that because I just, I'm very aware of what's going on in the rest of the world. And I'm very aware that like a lot of this stuff is going to hit a lot of people harder. And unfortunately Bitcoin can't save you from like everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Like you still have to get lucky in certain areas of life. And I definitely am one of those people that was just lucky. I think I would have gotten Bitcoin anywhere I was in the world, right? Like, I think if you just had, in theory, like, had me be me anywhere in the world, I'd probably get Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean I'd be in a safe place. And doesn't mean that I could, like, acquire a ton of it because I'm in a not safe place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, like, it doesn't save everyone. Um, it, It can't save you from everything, but. I think if i was in one of those tough places and i understood bitcoin and i understood like how we're in this spot that we're in because people have the control of the money the way that they do then yeah i'd be all in on this thing that says like well maybe not me but maybe my kids or my grandkids will live in a world where they don't have this kind of control where they can't just print an unlimited amount of money and fight an unlimited number of wars and just it's like, this is not how war, this is new for war. Like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't under, don't really comprehend. Like, I think a lot of people think that, oh yeah, there was this thing called the 30 years war. That's a pretty long war. So, you know, they had like long wars back in the day. It's like, yeah, but most of it was riding around on horseback. Most of it wasn't like every day a battle Or bombs being dropped, right? Like, it was like, no, there's a bunch of dudes over in a field fighting maybe once a month. And everyone would just leave the area so they could fight it out. And that was it. They usually had like one fight a year. (laughs) And the other side would run back home and recover. With unlimited money, we've gotten to a place where they can literally just fight every minute of every day and tell you about it. And Every the people minute. who make
1: these decisions, who lead these wars, they don't get their hands dirty.
0: Right. It's just, this they're is not, not in
1: battle with the soldiers.
0: This is not like, this style of war is new in the last hundred years. This is not war that existed before the 1800s. Like, mm-hmm. this is new. And it's, 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 On top of the actual damage of the weapons that we have today, it's just like a massive mental trauma for, at this point, the entire world because we all have to know about the war that's going on. There were plenty of wars that happened in Europe that nobody in China knew about, and they didn't have to have an opinion on who do you think should win, the French or the English. Who are they? (laughs) Like, they don't affect me here in China today, right? Like, that used to be a time, and that was not— in the span of humanity that long ago.
1: Yeah. I mean I I really agree with that. It's a conversation that I have with a lot of people in my life who are like I'm losing my mind, I'm crying hours every night and I'm like why? What are you doing? Like just sh- delete Instagram. Like relax for a few nights. It is unnatural for us to know everything that's going on in the world all. It's unnatural for us to see images and videos of war. Like you wouldn't see that unless you were a soldier. And we know the trauma that soldiers go through and they live with for the rest of their lives and it's like self-inflicted. But um, that also goes to my point of like, I don't think we should say much about it because who the hell are we to say anything about it? Everyone thinks that they need to have an opinion on this and that what you are going to say something and i don't know how many characters you can put on twitter that's
0: how much money you gave elon
1: that's gonna like convince someone to think differently but it just it really blows my mind well, how I mean, narcissistic people are in times of i don't even know what to call war like genocide whatever like it is it's so surprising to me because I mean, I, I'm not going to attribute this to Bitcoin. I'm going to attribute this to just like general fatigue that I have. But I think what's happening right now is our world leaders have made decisions and there's this illusion that we have any say in what's about to happen. And people are arguing on the internet about it. And I'm like, they've already decided. They decided before anything happened. This was, I mean, for so many reasons. The White House had like a game plan to go the second it started. And there are people fighting with their family members. There are people fighting with their friends. They're fighting with their coworkers. Like it's all happening again. It's COVID all over again, right? People have picked their sides and they're just fighting with each other. And I'm just like, you honestly think that because your friend or family member is supporting this quote unquote other side, they're a bad person you really think that they believe how you're interpreting what they're saying
0: i've actually thought about this particular um this is part of the reason why like i stopped talking about bitcoin with people it's like it doesn't matter my opinion on it doesn't actually matter right like what your opinion is matters because it it will affect you but to like convince you of my opinion on a thing, it's like you don't have, I shouldn't have to say anything. I'm living the life that tells you that I'm showing you actions that mm-hmm. say I, my opinion on things. Um, but for things that like fundamentally don't affect me, going back to like being able to know everything that's going on in the world at the same time is like not natural. Um, I don't really care what happens anywhere. I care about basically like the places that we can walk to. Because those are like my day-to-day interactions. But anything outside of like my actual radius, it's like, it better actually affect me. And to your point, like I know these decisions have been made. So like, I can't change anything. I just have to live in a world where, well, this is happening now. And if I did have the ability to change it, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but I know that I can't. And, I think the people that are like arguing back and forth about this is like, again, you wouldn't know about most of the fighting that's going on in the world, especially not real time all day. Like this is so new that we're not even stopping to think like, should we even, you know, when CNN started like reporting live from Iraq during the, the, the desert storm yeah. or whatever. Right. And they were like just 24 hours of
1: yeah.
0: bombing Iraq. And they would just like show it on the, I remember as a kid being like, this is weird. They're literally showing how a weapon like is telling people. Like
1: it's a TV show.
0: They're just showing you like a demonstration that like, we have these things that kill people like this watch. And like, they were just showing it as entertainment, entertainment. And I just remember thinking that was weird. Um, but no one, no one else seemed to think it was weird because it just kind of lasted.
1: Well, you know, uh, the writer of the Hunger Games trilogy, she said she was watching television and she saw exactly what you were just describing. She was clicking through and then she saw like Survivor and then she saw like some other reality competition show and she was like, this is where we're headed. We're headed towards a situation where you put Children to, to fight to the death for entertainment for the wealthy. And yeah. that and that's what it is, right? War is just young people being thrown together and fighting by like the older people of their society. That's what it is. It's children being forced to fight who would otherwise just love to be children. Yeah.
0: Um that that is how. That is how people with power stay in power. They Mm -hmm. convince people that fighting is in their interest.
1: But the one caveat is there are a lot of people that live in parts of the world where they have families, where these things are happening. And so it's, it's, there's a lot, people are going through a lot right now. And if, you know, if you're lucky enough to not have family in a war zone, probably have someone that you care about very deeply who does. And so it's it's very scary times right now and I I just like I said I feel very lucky and I feel a lot of gratitude for the life that we have and for the life that like my parents worked so hard for me to have. I feel like I'm experiencing the fruits of their labor when you know they gave up everything and they were like, you know, in their early 20s with two little kids, me as a baby They were like, oh, I want better for my daughter. I feel like I thought I was living that, but I feel like today I really am living that. Um, Everything that they sacrificed for me, like now I get to just be with my husband and my baby at the farmer's market, having a lovely day while so many horrible things are happening around the world.
0: Yeah, that's the... uh fundamentally that's the american dream right like you don't have to worry about that stuff um
1: even though we're the ones who cause it around the world not yeah. you and me but i mean the empire i think
0: I, I think that one of the things that i've learned about how the world works because of bitcoin is the which book was it that i read oh i don't i know what book it was it was democracy the god that failed by uh, Hans-Hermann Hoppe. Mm -hmm. Um, And he kind of breaks down how democracies seem great in the beginning, but they tend to always end a certain way. And I feel like we're entering into that period of what he's talking about in that book, which is the people that we put in power um, through voting, which is what people think is like the right way to appoint leaders. Cause they live in a world where that's how leaders are appointed. Um, they don't actually own any of the stuff that they're put in charge of, right? Like they're just stewards of the stuff. So because they don't own any of it, they have to make a bunch of decisions where they can benefit from being the stewards of it without actually like selling the pieces and taking the money for themselves. Right. Right. And so what tends to happen is that everyone, once they get into power, tries to get as much as they can before they're out of power. Because once you're out of power, it becomes harder to like benefit from the position because you don't have it anymore. And in his book, he describes how it's during that period where everyone's grabbing everything that they can take that the dictator arrives. (laughs) And the dictator shows up and goes... I know everything that they're doing, but so I used to do it with them. They're taking everything. I'll stop them. And by that point, the people are just so fed up at it happening just indiscriminately. Like we know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not even hiding it anymore that they go, yes, dictator, please solve this for us. And I'm not particularly saying that that's Trump because Like I know a lot of Roman history where there's like a couple guys before Caesar who Mm -hmm. tried to be Caesar before Caesar was Caesar. I think Trump is at best showing the playbook of what to do and how to become that dictator because dictators don't take over. People just give them the power because they're so just fed up with the other people. A lot of the stuff that's going on right now, like you said, it's so transparent that Every doesn't matter what political side you're on anymore. You just see it for what it is. Like, the mask is off.
1: Yeah. It's it's not like, oh, they're the good guys. They're the bad. It's like, you're all being ridiculous.
0: Right. And so I say all that to say, like, this is that, going back to the, the opening of the show, like, this is that weak men moment. The weak leaders of the world who are weak for many different reasons.
1: What's the saying, weak men?
0: Weak men create um
1: big
0: problem sorry it's strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times hard times create strong men and you the cycle repeats and we are in that definite like weak men times because the people that are in charge are not even making like the basic easy decisions to do what's best for the american mm-hmm. people like we're not asking them to like solve homelessness at this point right it's mm-hmm. like or any other problems that you've claimed to be solving for a while? Like, can you please just not involve us in crazy stuff that we obviously don't have the money for? And they're just like,
1: nah, still going to do it. Also, I mean, I, let's go back to that point that you made that we're not good at it. No, we're, not we're not successful.
0: We're not good at anything outside of our borders. Um, only I think thing- we're
1: bullies, but I don't think we're actually successful at ending conflict
0: but we're not there to end the conflict. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's yeah. the point. And that goes back to the people that are in power here. So the people that are in power here, as you kind of alluded to a second ago, where are like, they have dual citizenship in Israel. Uh, there's people who are from other places who have other types mm-hmm. of allegiances similar to that. And so everyone that's in power, not everyone, I don't want to say everyone, but we have a large contingent of people that are in power that, Have something else that they're actually working towards that's not in America. And I think that the thing that bothers me the most about where our politics has gotten is that it's not perfect here. But I think one thing that would help us a lot is people remembering that when we all came here, it was because we were trying to get away from all of that nonsense. Like, that is why they came here. They're like, yo, these these kings and queens and these aristocrats, they fight all the time. Too
1: much baggage. They
0: create all this money and they fight each other to the death all the mm-hmm. time. We don't want to do that. We're going over here. And I'm not laying this on a particular group of immigrants. I'm laying this against all people who come to this country. Like, if you're coming here, come here and be here and say, I don't care what's going on over there. That's why I'm here. If you care about what's going on over there, then like, what? Go back there. Like, go do something then. Like, I'm here. I might have to leave here one day because it gets crazy. But like, while I'm here, I only care about here. And the closer to where I currently am is my here.
1: I know. It is wild. It's, and it's very frustrating. I'm an immigrant. Um, but I am also a dual citizen. I don't vote in other elections. I only vote in American elections. I'm not a single issue voter about things that happen in other countries like i it's it's shocking to me how many people I know who are single issue voters for foreign policy issues
0: and again, I'm not talking about like voting other places. I'm talking about actually caring what's going on other places like. If you come here, care about here. If you care about where you came from, you'd be there. I don't want to say fixing it. That's not the best way to put it. But like the reason why we come here is so that we don't have to care about that other stuff. Like that is one of the founding rules of America. Come here if you don't want to deal with the nonsense.
1: But where it gets messy is that. America interferes with other countries.
0: That's fine. That's our uh, that's our ruling class that's doing that, though. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the people on the streets. Not everyone that's squaring off, picking aside Russia versus Ukraine, mm-hmm. China versus Taiwan, insert whoever versus whoever. Not everyone's squaring off and, like, arguing mm-hmm. about that is a leader. Yeah. If we just all agree that, like, our leaders care about that stuff, but, like, it doesn't affect us because we're here. Like that would just go so far. We would be much more
1: efficient in asking for what we need.
0: Yes, but instead what happens is something pops off in the place that you care about and now all of a sudden a whole group of people that you were cool with yesterday, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you now have to square off and like argue for days, weeks, months on end. No, that's not why we're here. We're here because we don't care about what's going on over there. We don't. America was like, let's get away from all of this. And somehow they crept into our world. This is not our world. This like constant two different groups squaring off and fighting, like that is not our world. Our world is we're Americans. We think the world should work a certain way and where you don't have to go fight all the time. And somehow now we live in a world where we go fight all the time. They infiltrated us. They infiltrated us. This is not America. And one of the things that I've been like slowly learning on like a rabbit hole that I'm going on right now is, well, when did this happen? When did they infiltrate us? When did they kind of change the rules of how this place operated during the last two big wars? Which ones? World war one and world war two. I was
1: going to, my guess was like, world war two. <laughs> yeah.
0: But like, it was really world war one that started the process and they pulled us into their nonsense. They literally pulled us into their nonsense. World war one, Started in Europe like it always freaking does. Yeah. Started in Europe and somehow we got involved. World War II started in Europe. <laughs> somehow we got involved. World War Three, probably Russia and Ukraine when we look back on it, started in Europe and somehow we're going to be involved in it. Like we should not be involved in their affairs. We are literally on the other side of the planet.
1: And it's so interesting to me. How many people, if you say world police, a lot of people will say, well, I don't think we should be the world police, but we should be supporting democracy. And it's like, what, what does that mean? Do you feel like you live in a democracy in this country? What does that mean? I mean? Who are we to be enforcing? What, like, it's very surprising to me. And I go back to, I've been thinking about a conversation that I had with one of my best friends in college. And I remember- you know, I, I'm, political science was one of my majors in college and I'm in these classes and I would not speak up much because I didn't feel like I was welcome to speak because things were already decided, right? Like if you were a supposed inter-identity, you thought these things during class discussions. And I would sometimes like not necessarily agree with everything a supposed liberal was saying, for example. You know, I would be like, huh? And I remember once after class, one of my best friends, she's still one of my best friends, I, I questioned something that this guy said. And she said, well, don't you think that we're supposed to be helping other countries? Don't you think that we should be going in as the United States and helping other countries if they need it or if someone's attacking them or if their rights are getting? And I was like, "What? what? we have so many problems here. Well, no, why, why would we go do that? And I just remember the look on her face was like, are you a bad person? Like her literally scanning me to be yeah. like, oh, and, and I was like, but we're literally learning about all of the problems in our country and all the inequality in our in our country, and all of it stems with from money. Like we know that school systems are unequal in like the same county because of money issues. Like, why are we sending money to other countries? And I don't even think we were talking about military. We were talking about USAID, which I'm sorry if you know anything about USAID. It's a scam. It's a scam. They don't even have real metrics or reporting that can explain what progress they make whenever they go somewhere and have grant money. Like, I wish USAID wasn't a scam. I did not know that when I was in college. I think I was like 19 years old. I figured that out by 25. I, I'm in D.C. You you learn real quick that USAID doesn't really do what it gets millions. I don't know what their budget is to do. Um, But just the thought that like, if you don't support programs like USAID or USAID programs, you're a bad person. You're selfish. You don't care about other people. It's like, what are we talking about? Why do we have to go help other countries?
0: I mean, I just would always like to point out to people that like, no other country has like a let's go help the United States program. Like no one. And I know it sounds cold, but you know, (laughs) we definitely need, we don't need, well, to help us would be to say, we don't need your help to like actively say, please, United States do not help us so that we actually, as the people can be like, can we not help them? They literally asked us not to get involved. Um, our leaders would probably still get involved, but I say all this to say, like the 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 reason why I think Bitcoin can can fix a lot of this is because, like, I, like I was saying a second ago, this this group of people, whatever name you want to give them, doesn't really matter. That like infiltrated the United States and turned us into them. They do it with fake money. They do it with fake money. They don't do it with real money. They don't do it with creating wealth. They do it by siphoning wealth off. And what Bitcoin does is put a check on those people where you don't have to figure out who they are anymore. See, that's been the game up until now. is like Panama Papers. You eventually get to see it written down like, these are some of the people that are doing this, mm-hmm. right? But you still don't have, you don't have the full picture and we never will. With Bitcoin, you check all of them at the same time all of them and you don't have to know who they are if you want to play that money game that cheating money game that y'all play you're just going to make me wealthier it is a built-in check against all of them the 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 politicians who take bribes in foreign countries and then collect them later the the sports athletes who like hide all their money everyone who like Which sometimes like I don't necessarily disagree with hiding money from like the government if you don't want to pay taxes because like they're just trying to take all your money. But like the other world that we all know exists but don't know how to like go get them. We don't have to go get them now. Bitcoin is the check on them. It will take time to play out. But eventually they'll have that very strong. Eventually they'll have a very hard choice to make. Do I continue playing this game? And by virtue, make all my enemies more and more wealthy. Or do I join them and benefit with them? And so in order to play the Bitcoin game, it's like, well, now we're back to a world where if if you're starting a war and the person demands to be paid in Bitcoin, you can't print unlimited Bitcoin to fight a war.
1: You're saying arms dealers are going to require Bitcoin and that'll change? I'm the, saying...
0: The- I'm saying that there becomes a time where the entire chain or the majority of the supply chain is Bitcoin based and all payments have to be made in Bitcoin. In real money. In real money. Yeah. And with this thing called Bitcoin being the realest of all the money, there's only so much of it. So if you want to burn all of your Bitcoin to try to take a nibble out of Ukraine, by all means, go ahead. But there is a point where you will run out of money.
1: Now, it's. Now it's and that it's is the world wild that, to see just money pop up out of nowhere but, so often in but, the past few years and seeing it in the past few weeks it's just it's just so wildly inefficient but the people in charge have just been operating this way for so long I think they've lost their minds
0: well they've never had to solve a problem yeah. They just printed more money and it's finally affecting them. But is it
1: affecting them? Yes. It's affecting us.
0: Yes. It's affecting them because now inflation is hitting
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and with inflation comes angry populations. If the price of bread quadruples, I don't care what country you are. Oh, we're the most powerful country in the world. If bread goes to $20 a loaf, you're going to have a lot of angry people. Speaking and they're already of which, stealing from CV—they're already stealing from stores. Like it's not—I know.
1: But speaking of which, I made Ian bread last week. I did. You did I made you focaccia bread? Yeah, that was pretty good too. Oh, thanks, babe. But yeah, part of me was like, I can do this, and it's fancy, and I think it cost me like I don't know a dollar to make. Yeah, making
0: you bread yourself is cheap. It's just the time.
1: It is the time.
0: But that's the point is that printing money is stealing time. So eventually yeah. we've gotten to the point now where like, it's worth my time to it's make worth, a loaf of bread. It truly the, is. Because the price of all the ingredients that cost some other producer to make it have gone so high. They have to charge me more money. I'll do it myself.
1: Yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like everything is about to become even more expensive and I should learn how to do things in the most economical way. That's where my brain is constantly going. And you know, I actually was making the bread and I was like, I feel like I'm back in the pandemic. Like there was a reason why we made bread during the pandemic. We didn't have bread shortages, but you and I made bread during the pandemic.
0: I mean, it was like a thing that people were doing, right?
1: It was a thing people were doing because I think everyone was like, I need to know how to make bread.
0: Well, when you realize that you don't know how to make bread, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, a, oh, am I supposed to know how to do that? Yeah, I in probably case probably know how to do that. You know,
1: in case something happens. I And that's where I was. I was suddenly but, like, let me remember how to make bread. Yeah, let me make sure a, I have yeast in the house. Like here's
0: here's the problem with that, though, is that. It's great to have the skill to make bread, but how do you make bread when there's no flour? You gotta grow
1: me some wheat, babe, in our garden.
0: No, 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 no. Like you can't grow enough wheat in our backyard for me to make you the flour to make that bread. So when there's just less wheat in the world, how do you make more, how do you make more bread? And, and that's what war does. War reduces resources available in the mm-hmm. world. Regardless of what anyone says, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you have a war, there will be
1: less of everything. Yeah, people are busy dying or killing. They're not out there raising crops.
0: And we're destroying infrastructure. And we're destroying the things that help us bring those products to market. War is like putting a resistor on the circuit of the world economy. Like that is what war is. If you want to put a resistor on how economies flow between two locations, you put a war in the middle of it. And that's how you stop the exchange of energy and ideas and all that fun stuff. So like.
1: And you completely ruin generations of people.
0: Yeah. But the thing about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin gets you around that resistor because when in the past, when these war happened, there was no way to kind of get out to the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now with Bitcoin, like your, your, your wealth is already on the other side. You, you just have to have get to your personally.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And so like, I know that there's, there's one side of things that people say, like, you need to stay and like fight for your homeland and and all that fun stuff. But like going back to my point of like, this is all new. Like nations are new. And empires are rare. Most of the time, it's like a very small group of people (laughs) hanging out. They're roughly cool with their neighbors (laughs) because they have to be. Um, But the idea of a nation with borders that like has a bunch of different cultures inside of it. But for some reason, because they're inside of these lines, they're now this group of people. And because of that, we don't like that group of people that are in a different set of lines. Like, things used to be a little bit more decentralized than like who decided who hated who. Um, and again, like nationalism is new. It's not how things have always been. And me as, as, a, as an American, like that is my nation. But as I get into Bitcoin, I just don't think of it like that anymore. I think of it as I'm a citizen of the world just like I'm a citizen of the United States. I can live anywhere I want in the United States. There's no one that's going to stop me and say, Ian, you cannot live in Salt Lake, Utah. They're not. You just, you show up, you rent an apartment, you're done. With Bitcoin, you just go up one factor to the whole planet. You can now go live anywhere you want in the world. And maybe not right now, right now, but by the time this all plays out, If you're a Bitcoiner, you will be welcomed everywhere.
1: You know, you just have to look at the stats on the pod and all the different countries that our listeners are from. Uh And there's your proof that Bitcoin is international.
0: I mean, yeah, 19% of our listeners are from the States. Otherwise, everyone's from everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And it... Yeah, it's I think that Bitcoin is going to get us there. I don't think it's going to happen as fast as I would like it to happen, but it's a thing that just will constantly be in the back of your head and you'll always have a story of somebody who knew a person who like disappeared one day because of Bitcoin.
1: In a good way. In a good way,
0: right? (laughs) Like, oh yeah, Tommy like worked at 7-Eleven and one day he just was gone. Because Tommy had a dream and he was able to actually save for his dream, right? I wish that I didn't live here. Or I wished I was doing something else. But in a world where they create unlimited money, you can't really save up for your dream. But in a Bitcoin world, Tommy, if he understands Bitcoin, understands that he can save up for his dream and go do it, people are going to see that. And they're going to want to emulate that. And maybe other people will start dreaming and then everybody can kind of figure out their plan to get where they want to be versus where they are.
1: So babe with like, you know, like you said, hard times ahead. How do you feel with me as your partner? Well, I know how to make bread. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing in my favor.
0: I don't know, man. Like I think I think that the uh the ability to learn new skills is very important. So if you feel like <laughs> you learned how to make bread or remembered how to make mm-hmm. bread or whatever, like that's great. I don't particularly care about the bread in particular. I do care about the acquiring new skills. Um but yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Bread was a good little test, but you know, might have to go get you some more skills.
1: I have a lot of skills. I know. Our listeners don't know this, but I do my own nails.
0: See, those don't help during tough times.
1: I save us so much money doing my own nails. Having your nails
0: done during tough times does not help us.
1: It helps me mentally. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but but it doesn't help us, right?
1: Um, Like if we have to
0: grow our food. When I look
1: good, you look good. (laughs) If we have to grow our food in the
0: backyard, having your nails done doesn't
1: help, right? These are individual shovels for each finger.
0: So you're telling me yeah. that you would be digging in the dirt yeah. with your nails.
1: Look, if I had to pay to get my nails done, no, I would not. I'd be like, Ian, I just got my nails done. I'm not doing it. When I do my own nails, I never care when my nails get messed up. I either fix them or I do a new set.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's practical, but I also know how uh, to sew. Yep. I cook. Allegedly, you know how to sew. You have offered to sew a lot of my stuff that i And you always say sewn. no. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. Bring them over. I sew right. my own stuff.
0: All right. All right. I have a pair of shorts that were, were, uh.
1: I went to fix those and they were ripped beyond repair. And I said I would have to patch this and you threw it out.
0: That's not the, sh- I don't have, I still have these shorts that I'm referring to. Oh, okay, so I okay. I was talking, talking about, about,
1: I think they were striped um oh,
0: I those can, are gone.
1: I can do a lot of things. I cook the majority of our meals. I cook maybe ninety percent of what we eat. Right? Sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm a DIY wife. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you're good. You're good.
1: I'm good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I
0: don't know about the zombie apocalypse, though. We're no gonna zombie
1: apolo- Zombie apocalypse. I'm out. Like I'm gonna let them eat me. I'll be out. I don't mm. have the energy. I don't have the energy to live amongst zombies. We
0: just got to get on a boat.
1: What does that mean? And then what? Look, in a world I've seen World War Z, and they get on the boat, don't they?
0: I don't. I don't know what they did in the scripted movie. Okay, I don't
1: remember it that well. I just they, remember they, they were to, on a
0: boat. They had to have a specific script, otherwise the movie never ends. Mm-hmm. But in my script that mm-hmm. I created. Mm-hmm. The movie never ends. <laughs> we survive on a boat forever.
1: <laughs> oh, we just live on the boat forever. How do you boat. get food? I guess you eat fish and like you, f- yes. you start a garden. Yes, you do, do it the on
0: boat. the boat. Okay. You do it on the boat. Don't you you watch Moana, those those mofos were living on boats. That was a cartoon. It's based off of a culture that <laughs> actually true. lived on boats and Voyagers, sailed. They yeah. sailed around the yeah, world. They, right. Their whole lives were on We boats. listen to
1: that soundtrack all the time. So
0: no, like we become the Mwanans <laughs> and we get on a boat and we get away from the zombies. Like you can live on a boat. They were burning fires on those boats.
1: I don't know, babe. I, I'm i being very honest with you. If there are okay, zombies. You tell me where
0: to drop you off.
1: I'm t- I'm just going to lay down and die. <laughs> Wait, okay. I, I, I can't. Not with zo- I'm, I'd be too scared. How would I sleep? We're on the boat. Uh, if if the zombie apocalypse happened while we were on a boat and safe, sure. But if they were like trying to break into our house. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing about zombie apocalypse. Right? Okay. You tell me about zombie apocalypses.
0: <laughs> There's always clues that the zombie apocalypse is already happening.
1: Okay, yeah, people right? are like walking around. No, I mean
0: that's like an obvious
1: clue. Staring at their cell phone. That's an obvious clue. That's no. That's happening.
0: The the clue is always that it's happening somewhere else. No okay. one is paying attention. Okay. Right? Okay. So you watch Now I'm getting into
1: Halloween weekend. I'm getting scared.
0: Look, you we got to get you to watch I don't want you to watch zombie movies. You but,
1: know, yeah. I shouldn't.
0: You shouldn't. No. But I there's able a not be like a week. There's a common trope in zombie movies where okay. in the very beginning of the movie I'm
1: listening.
0: Because it all happened back in the 80s, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Someone's listening to the radio. Yes. And it's like, and another news, like, zombie we haven't fun. heard from yeah, Portland yeah. in a while. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right? Okay. And the person who's the character in the movie that you're watching. Is listening to the radio but doesn't hear the story. That's the trope, right? Okay, I'm always listening to the radio. I said COVID was happening before it happened. You did. I'm. I am always listening to the radio. So if the zombie apocalypse pops off, we're getting out way before.
1: And that's way before why the I'm zombies glad I picked you as my street, life partner, right? babe. Okay. You're right. You're right. So
0: we're getting to the boat
1: mm-hmm. now.
0: Now that we're on the boat. You're gonna need to learn how to sail. Oh yeah,
1: I'll pick that up. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. I learn things fast. But we gotta
0: get to the boat. So when I say we gotta get to the boat, and I'm not joking, don't ask any more questions. Okay. (laughs) Don't ask where we're going. Don't ask.
1: Ian is so serious right now. I'm telling you, dead eye contact. I'm telling you, if I say we got to get on the boat. You know why we have to get on the boat. I'm so surprised that this wasn't in your wedding vows. I mean, you know. <laughs> I you've said it there. before. You've said things like this. Mandana, when I say this, we're doing it. Yeah. Don't question, just say okay. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> look, look, like I'm babe, you know, I'm just glad that I'm going through this life with you because I feel like you really are trying to set us up for success. And I'm just making sure that no matter what, um, we have warm food to eat.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lot on the boat because yeah. during zombie apocalypse, uh, they tend to get all the fishermen, so the fishing trawlers go away, so the ocean becomes <laughs> more populated with fish. I love
1: how you're like, during zombie yeah. apocalypse, it tends to happen this I'm way in the you, movies I've seen.
0: I'm just telling you that, Most people get got in zombie apocalypse movies. If you're one of the people that doesn't get got, it's like one in a hundred, one in a thousand, one in a maybe ten thousand. Which means a lot of dudes that trawl the ocean for fish every day are no longer trawling the ocean for fish. I want crab and shrimp. We'll have plenty of food to eat.
1: In that case, I'm in. for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts.
0: It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation.
1: Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone.
0: Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well.
1: Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first Sats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to a hundred Sats just for listening. Yeah,
0: that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers.
1: You can use the Sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every We also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode.
0: And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your Fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App.
1: The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive.
0: That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.